They're the ones that are getting mad, amen? They're getting mad. But before I do, I want to mention something to you that I think is really unique. It goes hand in hand with your message this morning. And that is something that our association of Baptist churches is doing. There's about 75 or so Baptist churches in our association. And we're all getting together to do an evangelistic event at the Florence Coliseum on April the 8th, on August the 18th. Excuse me. And it's called the Northwest Alabama Hunting and Fishing Expo. Uh, for you hunters and fishermen, uh, we'll be able to get together on that Saturday, 10 to 4, and there's all kinds of hunting and fishing displays, all kinds of vendors, uh, all kinds of door prizes, uh, hunting and fishing seminars and classes and tips and uh, even wild game tasting. There ain't no telling what you'll be tasting, amen? But the whole idea of this is not to have a hunting and fishing expo, but to find a way where we might bring more men than women probably, uh, but how we can bring people together for the cause of Jesus Christ. There will be a message. Uh, there will be uh, people that are there to uh, share the gospel of Christ. Uh, it's just a really unique way uh, for us to reach people that otherwise might not be reached for the cause of Christ. So uh, you're going to see these around. I'm going to put in the bulletin next week. But August the 18th, I'd love to get together a bunch of men from Bethel Baptist Church and go over there and hang out for a couple hours and just be a blessing to those that are going to come visit, okay? The Northwest Alabama Hunting and Fishing Expo. You know, the bottom line is uh, we just got to do something. Amen? We just got to do something. And what's wrong with doing it this way? Amen? That's a good way to do it. So anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Okay. You might want to put a couple of those out on the foyer, Miss Brenda. That, that'll be great, yeah. And let's get them, let's get them. Pardon me? I said more men than women, but absolutely women are invited. I'd love to just take a big old group. We'll take the van if necessary. Uh, if not, we can just meet at the Coliseum, whatever. I'm good with either way. Uh, but I'd love to have a, uh, a team of folks from Bethel to, to go to that. That's really good. Well, you know... Some things in America really are sad. You hang, you know, hang out in front of the TV, uh, you watch the internet very much, uh, and you're going to see some things that will really upset you. Uh, but not only am I sad, uh, but I'm mad. Amen? I'm mad. Not only are things truly sad, but the only way it's going to change is if you get mad. Amen? Now, mad doesn't stand for you getting angry about it. Mad stands for you being willing to make a difference. Say that with me. It ain't changing unless you are willing to make a difference. George Carlin wrote an article entitled Paradox of Our Time. Crazy. But the paradox of our time in America is this. We have taller buildings, but shorter tempers. We spend more, but we have less. We have bigger houses, yet we have smaller families. We have more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense. Can I get a testimony? 
We have more knowledge, but less judgment. We have more experts, but more problems. More medicine, but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, and laugh too little. We drive too fast, we get too angry, we stay up too late, we get up too tired, we read too little, watch TV way too much, and we pray too seldom. We've multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much, we we love too seldom, we hate too often. We've learned how to make a living but not really make a life. We've added years to our lives, but not life to our years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but we have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted our souls. America needs people filled with grace, filled with God's grace, who are willing to say it with me. Now that was weak. And you're going to make me mad, amen? America needs people who are willing to. Now you're talking. Amen. America needs you. America needs you. When Christians begin to make a priority of loving God, loving each other, and loving our neighbor, then and only then can we permeate this world for God's glory. It's going to take that. And so today, our focus in this message is some practical steps. Sometimes I need practical, realistic, simple-to-understand steps that we can take to fulfill our mission of making a difference for the glory of God. Yes, we live in a country that's wrought with problems. Yes, some of the things that our government does infuriates me. Some of the things that my fellow citizens do sickens me. But friends, even though there are a lot of negative things going on in America, you would have to admit that America is still the greatest country in the world. And we're blessed, friend. We're blessed to have been born here. We're blessed to have been raised in the United States of America. Someone said, you know, we keep asking God to bless America. Well, you know what? He has. Now it's our turn. God's already blessed us. Now it's our turn. As people of grace, it's our turn to bless America. It's our turn to do something good for America because you and I have a higher calling. We have a calling from God himself. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, I believe that the Apostle Paul has given us some specific ways that Christians can make a difference. Make a difference in America. Let's read it together. 
in 1 Timothy chapter 2, just six short verses, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, I exhort, for, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all. Say all. Be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. Did you hear that? Who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, he who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Let us pray. Father God, this room is filled with people who I believe want to make a difference. Lord, help us to get mad. Mad enough to do something. Mad enough to make a difference for your glory. In Jesus' name, and all the people of Bethel said, Amen. Let me give you the first way that I believe you can make a difference in America. That is, we must pray unceasingly. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says that we are to pray without ceasing. That's praying all the time. But listen to what Paul wrote. He said, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, that's another form of prayer, that prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. To pray unceasingly. Just listen to what these few mighty men of God said about prayer. Samuel Chadwick said this, The chief concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. Satan fears nothing from prayerless Bible study. He doesn't fear anything from prayerless service, from prayerless religion. He laughs at all of our church work. He laughs and mocks at our wisdom. But he trembles when we pray. Charles Spurgeon said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. E.M. Bound said, What the church needs today is not new organizations and new methods, but people whom the Holy Spirit of God can use, men and women mighty in prayer. For the Holy Spirit doesn't flow through methods. The Holy Spirit doesn't flow through organizations. The Holy Spirit flows through people willing to pray. To make a difference, God's people must pray. We must pray and ask for God's intervention in the fall of our nation. we got to pray for everyone. Pray for everyone who means anything to you. Even pray for those who don't mean a thing to you. We must pray for our mates. Pray for our children. 
We must pray for our family members, pray for our ministers, pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We must pray for our church leaders, pray for our country's leaders. Whether you agree with them or not, you better be praying for them. You got to pray at home, pray at church. You got to pray while you're driving your car, preferably with your eyes open. You got to pray while you're doing your laundry. Pray while you're cleaning your house. Pray while you're doing your chores. You got to pray when you get up in the morning. Pray when you go to bed at night. You got to pray every single chance you get if you want to see things change in America. James 5.16, the Bible says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How powerful is prayer? How effective is prayer? I mean, does it do any good for us to pray? I'm asking. Are we praying like we should? Perhaps we need to spend more time in prayer and less time eating. Can you imagine this? If you eat three squares a day, it takes you about 30 minutes to eat it, amen? If you spent just the same amount of time praying as you do eating, you will have spent an hour and a half in prayer. Time just between you and God, where you're crying out, as we learned in Sunday school this morning, crying out to God, asking for His intervention, not only in your own life, not only in the life of your child, not only in the life of your mate, not only in the life of your family, in your church, in your workplace, but praying for God's divine intervention in the course of our country. An hour and a half. And we need to pray more and eat less, amen? Maybe we need to spend more time believing and trusting God than we should straying and doing our own thing. Amen. We must pray. We must pray most of all for people. Most of all for people. Because I believe that if we pray long enough, if we pray patient enough and fervent enough, if we pray faithful enough, that God will hear our prayers and His mission for America will be done. But it's got to start with prayer. An unceasing prayer by those who claim to belong to God. We must pray unceasingly. But there's a second way that I believe you can get mad. Amen? What's mad stand for? Say it together. Hallelujah. Second way you can get mad, and that is we can live righteously. Look at the end of verse 2 there in 1 Timothy chapter 2. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. I read this story about a preacher. And the preacher actually wrote the story. And he says, the ugly part of me showed his beastly side the other day. He said, a woman in a car beside him was in a, a lane, a two-lane road, 
And the lane that she was in continued on, and the preacher was in the lane that was ending, merging into the single lane. So the preacher decided that he definitely had to get in front of her. Amen? After all, his schedule was more important than hers, right? I mean, after all, he was a preacher, right? So what did he do? He floored it. And guess what? So did she. <laughs> when his lane ended, her fender was just in front of his. So he growled, and he slowed down, and led her ahead of him. Over her shoulder, she waved politely to her, while the preacher... And the preacher said that he started to dim his headlights. And then he said, As a preacher, am I not to shed light on dark places? <laughs> so he put a little high beam right in her rearview mirror. This is a preacher, amen? I don't never do that. <laughs> she retaliated by slowing down. Slowing down to a crawl. I mean, this woman was mean. She slowed all the way down to 15 miles an hour. And like two stubborn donkeys, she kept it slow and he kept it bright. After a few more unkind thoughts, the road winded and he started to pass her, but wouldn't you know, they both came side by side to a red light. And what happened next both contains good news and bad news. The good news is, is that woman waved to him. The bad news is, is her wave was short four fingers. Oh, no. <laughs> Moments later, conviction fell on the preacher and he asked himself, why did I do that? Typically, I'm a calm guy. But for 15 minutes, I was a beast. Brothers and sisters, is that you? Don't answer that question. Are you ever a beast at times? Listen to what the psalmist wrote. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you, O Lord. Nevertheless, I am continually before you. You hold me by my right hand and you will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. If we're honest with ourselves, there's times when we let the beast out. Amen. Sadly, the beast comes out in front of those that you love the most at home. Sometimes the beast comes out at work Sometimes the beast comes out at Walmart. Amen. Where's Tim Shelton at? Yeah, you can testify to that, can't you, brother? Tim was a CSM at Walmart. The beast can come out while you're driving. The beast can come out while you're shopping. And you know, as I look upon you this morning, I see the sweetness just dripping from you. It's almost sick. Amen. So sweet you are. Loving, oh, I get some of the precious hugs when I'm here. 
Oh, it just oozes out of you. Amen. We can be pretty good people at church. But I want to tell you this morning that God is very much interested in how you act and how you react away from church. 1 Peter chapter 2, the Apostle Peter said, Live such good lives among the pagans. That is, live such good lives in the face of unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and your good life and glorify God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So we need to be careful how we live our lives in front of unbelievers, for they see your unruly behavior and they point and they say, see, she ain't no different than me. Or they can see your honorable behavior, and over time they will believe and honor God. If we want to change America for the better, we got to live righteously. And sometimes that requires killing that beast, amen? Killing that beast within. We must live holy lives, but leave that holier-than-thou attitude out of it. Amen? Live righteously. Because if you're going to get mad, if you're going to make a difference in America, you're certainly going to need to pray unceasingly and you're going to have to live righteously. But there's a third way you can get mad. And what does mad stand for? Make a difference. Make a difference. And this one's big. We must evangelize fervently. Verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is only one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. God wants all people to have a relationship with him. God wants all men and women and children to have a relationship with him and be saved, not just a select few. He wants them all. Simply put, evangelism is just presenting some kind of witness, some kind of witness for Christ in the idea that they would come to believe in him and that they would trust and obey him and indeed be saved. Are you doing that? Are you presenting just some kind of witness where someone might see Jesus in you? I read where a man named Leighton Ford was working with Billy Graham. And Leighton said, once I was speaking at an open-air crusade in Nova Scotia. And Billy Graham was scheduled to speak the next night. But Billy came to hear me that first night. He sat on the grass back in the rear of the crowd, and because he was wearing a hat and glasses, nobody knew that he was there. And directly in front of him sat this elderly gentleman. And that elderly gentleman seemed to be listening intently to Leighton's message. And when Leighton invited people to come down as an open sign of their commitment, Billy decided that he was going to do a little personal evangelism. He tapped the man on the shoulder and said, Sir, would you like to accept Christ? If you do, I'd be more than happy to go down with you. 
The old man kind of looked him up and down and thought about it for a moment. And then in a southern drawl said, No, I think I'll just wait for the big gun to come tomorrow night. (laughs) The big gun. You know, unfortunately, that kind of reinforces how many people think. Many people think that evangelists is the task of the big guns, not the little shots, amen? Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this. Leading people to Jesus Christ is the job of every Christian. How many? Everyone. Every Christian. It doesn't matter whether you're a big gun or a little shot. The result is the same. Someone's life is eternally changed. Have you ever heard of Rockin' Roland Stewart? I bet you haven't. But how many of you have watched a sporting event like the Super Bowl, perhaps, and seen a giant sign being held up that says John 3.16? Rockin' Roland Stewart is the one who's responsible for that. At one time, Roland Stewart was a drunk, an alcoholic, And somehow, someone introduced him to Christ, and he became a Christian, and God healed him of his alcoholism. And one day, the idea struck him that if he could just get into these major sporting events and put the Word of God in front of hundreds of thousands of people, that it might do some good. And so today, Rockin' Roland Stewart and his wife Margaret and a friend named William James live a very strange life. They drive 55,000 miles a year in an all beat-up van attending uh, sporting events holding up a sign that says John 3.16. Roland doesn't know if it's doing any good or not, but he knows he's doing something. Amen? Several years ago, Florida football quarterback Tim Tebow knowing that network cameras were going to be on him through the course of every game, started writing Bible verses on that black anti-glare tape under his eyes. And when Tim wrote uh, John 3.16 under his eyes, on his eye black in the 2009 championship game, over 92 million people looked up that verse on Google. 92 million? Are you kidding me? That means that 92 million people read the simple gospel. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It was something little, but at least he was taking a stand. Many years ago, Dwight L. Moody, a preacher, was criticized because of the way that he would lead somebody to Christ. But Moody said, well, I like my way of doing it better than I like their way of not doing it. Amen. We all need to be doing something. I've read that 95% of all Christians never lead anybody to faith in Christ. That means that 5% of Christians are doing 100% of the work of evangelism. 
So which group are you in? Friend, I want to tell you, the Lord doesn't expect you to do everything. But he sure expects you to do something. Which group are you in? Can I tell you that if God is in the inside of us, he's going to show through to the outside of us. If the fire of Christ Jesus is burning inside of us, then that fire is going to spread to the outside and get all over somebody else. Amen? So we've got to constantly be on the lookout. Constantly be looking for opportunities to witness. Constantly be looking for opportunities just to testify to what God's done in your own life. Constantly be looking for opportunities to invite people to come to church. Constantly be looking for opportunities to encourage someone who's down. Constantly be looking for opportunities where you might point somebody to the cross. This is all part of you getting mad, amen? What's mad stand for? It's all part of making a difference. It's all part of the God-given mission of, that we have in America to make a difference. As a Christian, have you discovered that you are called to make a difference? The creator of the universe, the creator who created you, has created you to make a difference. Are you praying unceasingly? Are you living righteously? Are you evangelizing fervently? Friend, it's God's desire that everyone be saved. Are you allowing Him to use you to make a positive difference in America? For this is the good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I praise you that we are your chosen vessels to make a difference. Lord, when we walk out of this place, let us walk out of here mad. Lord, let us walk out of here willing to make a difference by praying unceasingly and living righteously and evangelizing fervently. Father, there are people who are swinging over hell. They're depending on us. Lord, let us be the faithful instruments you use to draw people into a relationship with you. For there's only one mediator who can bring men into a relationship with you, God. And his name is Jesus. He who gave his life as a ransom for all. Lord, if there's a decision to be made today to accept Jesus, to place their faith in Jesus, believing that He paid the price of their sin 
and gave a ransom for them. Lord, let them not hesitate today. Let them become a part of your mission, Lord, in making a difference that begins right here in our community. Our Faith in Action Mission Week is a great way to evangelize, Lord, to show people what God does in the life of the believer. Lord, there's nothing special about us. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven. And we have a relationship with you as a result of that. If there's someone else here today who needs to have that relationship with you, Lord, don't let them hesitate. Not even a minute. We love you, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's all stand and let's sing.